0: Hi. but there's something you can do about it. And we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to Slate.com slash Amicus Live for tickets.
1: When someone shot up Linda Lopez's house, the truth is she didn't even know it. and She was there. Linda lives in Albuquerque. The shooting happened on January 3rd. That night, she'd stayed up
2: late with her kids. The last thing I can remember is that uh, my daughter, of course, went to sleep in her room. She wasn't on her tablet, which is a a blessing in so many ways, because as you know, young people nowadays, uh, they're constantly on the Internet or playing a game. It was about one in the
1: morning when Linda heard the bangs and she assumed she knew what they were, fireworks. Linda's 10-year-old daughter, Cherish, came into her room. Cherish had her own theories about what had woken her up. She thought maybe a spider had plopped down on her face. They'd had spiders before. She'd felt something, she knew that much.
2: She did tell me that she had felt like some sand or dirt on her face and on her nose. And I told her, sweetheart, You know, it could be that maybe mom needs to clean the fan on top of the bed. Uh, It's not like I'm the best housekeeper in the world. So I thought maybe that's something that needs to happen. So she goes, "Okay." Then they went back to sleep. And about 6.30, quarter of 7, I woke up and proceeded to turn the bathroom light on because it's connected to my room. And I looked uh, towards my bed. And on the wall, you could see what had happened. There was a hole in my wa- in the wall above my bed. And then I looked to the left, um, and there was a hole through the closet door. I read there were twelve bullet holes in your home. Yes, twelve bullet holes total.
1: When you said, "Thank God my daughter wasn't on her tablet," is that because she
2: would have been sitting up? She would have been sitting up, which is the you know normally what happens. Her room is next, right next to mine. And in in the trajectory that the bullet had, it could have grazed her head if she had been sitting down. After seeing the damage inside, Linda threw on a robe
1: and slippers, went out front. That's when she saw the garage had been sprayed with bullets, too. So she pulled out her cell phone and called for help. Linda works as a state senator,
2: so she knew how to get the police chief on the line. And within 30 minutes, um, police were present. And uh, I had to wake up the children because they were still asleep. And I let them know, got to get dressed because we're going to have some officers coming to the home.
1: You've been working in politics for almost 30 years. At what point did it cross your mind that what happened to your house on January 3rd might be politically motivated?
2: I'm starting my 27th year here in the legislature. I've had threats over the years, maybe via email, right? Or maybe somebody will leave a crazy message um, on my my home phone number, my message machine. But it's never risen to this point. But what I will also say, too, though, is um, when I was speaking to uh, the chief Medina, he did tell me that morning, I distinctly remember this. He said, well, you're the third one. And I was like, I'm the third one. he goes, yes, two of your colleagues, two county commissioners had also had their homes shot up uh before me so i was the third one today on the show
1: a series of brazen partisan attacks in new mexico are making one state senator rethink what it means to work across the aisle i'm mary harris you're listening to what next stick around See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As soon as Senator Linda Lopez realized other politicians had been attacked, she started reaching out to them. And pretty soon she realized it wasn't three Democrats who'd been shot at. It was four. And for a little while, no one knew why, exactly. But pretty soon that changed. Well, the FBI is investigating a string of shootings targeting the homes and offices of Democratic officials in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Eventually, police ended up tracing the attacks to a man named Solomon Pena, who'd recently run for the state House of Representatives as a Republican and lost. Pena refused to concede, and he took to Twitter to claim the election had been rigged.
0: Detectives claim Peña, a staunch Trump supporter who served seven years in jail for burglary, sent text messages with the addresses of the homes of the two Democratic legislators and two county commissioners he wanted his alleged accomplices to target.
1: Authorities now say Peña hired four men to carry out these shootings aimed at area Democrats. In addition to Senator Lopez and those two county commissioners, a state representative named Javier Martinez was also attacked at home. Lopez was hit last, and Peña allegedly attended that shooting himself. He was arrested on January 16th.
0: Investigators say they've gathered cell phone records, firearms, surveillance footage, and witnesses inside and outside the conspiracy as evidence against Peña.
1: When Solomon Peña was arrested,
2: I wonder if you were surprised. Just grateful. Grateful that someone is and can be and will be held accountable for what happened. I still have many questions, to be honest, uh, because I can see with our county commissioners, our county commission are the, the entity that certifies election results. So I kind of get it. You know, that's for, the, for those who are election deniers. They go first to the body that, um, you know, certifies election results. And of course, that goes up to the secretary of state's office after. And I thought, well, that makes sense. But where do I come in this picture? Um, And I still have questions. Why? Why me? Why my family? I know you told my producer, like, you basically
1: knew him because he had a big billboard near your house. And that was sort of the beginning and the end of it. Is that
2: right? Yeah. No, that's it. There's this one major thoroughfare that goes through to getting from the west side of Albuquerque over to the east side, crossing the Rio Grande. And you see the big billboard of, you know, Solomon Pena running for House District and that see that every day. That's about the closest I've ever come to meeting Mr. Peña or having you know, to know who he was or what he was running for. Of course, he was running against Representative Miguel Garcia. But the Senate district that Mr. Peña has his place of, of living in is not in my Senate district either. He's in another Senate district. So for me, I've just been trying to piece together, right, where and why me. It seems to me like Peña was kind of a distinctive candidate. He described
1: himself as the MAGA king. And his candidacy was controversial enough that other Democrats had taken note and actually Representative Miguel Garcia had tried to make it so that he could not serve, so that Peña could not serve if he won the election. So it seems like he was sort of on people's radar.
2: Well, there was some talk, of course, and most of us, of course, were aware of the news that came out when uh, Representative Garcia sued in court, to have Mr. Pena removed from the ballot. That brought more attention um, to me also to figure out, well, who is this person? So that was when it became much more public about his background. Pena's background was controversial for a lot of reasons. He claimed to have attended the
1: riots at the Capitol on January 6th, for instance. But it wasn't just that he was a vocal supporter of Donald Trump. He also had an extensive criminal record. He'd spent seven years in prison for a string of robberies on big-box stores which Democrats had argued should have disqualified him from serving, and in his district, critics also said he was an overly aggressive campaigner, urging voters to change their party affiliation and vote for him. But a judge ultimately decided that Pena could
2: stay in the race. What I have seen over my years is judges are very reluctant to remove somebody from the ballot, and it, it's I've seen that over the years. So, quite frankly. I assumed that Mr. Pena would still stay on. And, of course, that's what the judge decided. Eventually, Pena lost his legislative race. Yes. By a significant margin, like 50 points almost. Right. The district that he was running in as a Republican is a solid Democrat district. And um, I think he already knew what the outcome was going to be, quite frankly.
1: Yeah. One of the strange things to me is that right after he was allegedly involved at the shooting at your home, Solomon Pena was elected to a leadership position in the county Republican Party.
2: Yes. He was a a county ward chairman. Yeah, for the districts, um, our county is broken up into wards. And in the particular ward, yes, for the Republican Party, he was elected, which is so ludicrous. I am hoping uh, that the Republican Party of Bernalillo County will remove him at this point in time. But uh, as you may have seen also the response from uh, the Republican Party for the state, it's uh, kind of interesting where they're waiting until he's proven guilty. Um, Then he can, you know, other things can happen. When yet you look as to how sometimes uh, the... The wording and the push that the Republican Party sometimes has is like, you know, uh, arrest him, put him in, get rid of them, do this kind of stuff. But now it's one of their own. And it's kind of like, well, let's remove him. He's been arrested. Um, the decision that was made by the judge yesterday in district court, he's going to stay in jail until the trial begins, which I'm grateful for also. But there should be an automatic removal as ward chair in the South Valley of Albuquerque. So TBD, let's see what you know, What they really are gonna do. Have any of your Republican colleagues reached out to you
1: to talk about what you experienced?
2: I do have a couple of legislators who did reach out to me and um, did share of their disgust with what happened. And I really appreciate the outreach Um, that did take place. I know that Senate Republicans did have a press conference that mentioned something to the effect that, you know, this is uh, uncalled for, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But um, that's part of the extent of it at this point. Yeah. I wonder if you thought about saying like,
1: I'm so grateful for your comments. What are you going to do
2: now? (laughs) You know? I think that's also part of of a conversation that still needs to be had. You know, on a national level, this thing, this action happened here in New Mexico, yes, but it's happened in other places across the country. So it's not just localized, it's not just here, but it's across. You can look at the governor of Michigan.
1: A plan to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer and then what they were planning to do to her. 13 suspects arrested, including...
2: seven. You can look at our secretary of state here in New Mexico who's been threatened. Firm today, New Mexico secretary of state Maggie Toulouse-Oliver received threats to her safety through email and phone calls this week. And this is not the first time she got similar ones. You can look at other secretaries of state, right, who've also been threatened because of this whole issue of election deniers. And that's kind of what um, happened on January 6th with the insurrection. For me, I just see it as, it's, a, it's a bigger issue across this country. So it's not just localized here in New Mexico, safeguarding our democracy. As I said before to some other folks in conversation is I'm sworn to uphold the constitution of the state. I'm also sworn to uphold the constitution of of the United States of America also. And apparently the National Republican Party is, they got problems. And if the national folks can't take care of it, then what are we gonna do at the local level? After the break, how
1: Linda Lopez plans to bring her personal experience to New Mexico's state legislature. There is this one detail about the attack on her home that Senator Linda Lopez can't shake. It's about how easy it would have been for things to have gotten much, much worse. Authorities now allege that Solomon Pena himself came to Lopez's home because he thought previous shootings had not been violent enough. He reportedly brought his own automatic
2: weapon. And I'm not very familiar with guns, but he essentially had a gun that had a huge magazine attached to it, and it jammed while he was shooting at our house. If that gun had not jammed, it would have been a very different story of what, what would be have been reported. For a politician like Senator
1: Lopez, this detail lingers because it connects so neatly to her
2: work. It's work she has yet to finish. I've introduced and sponsored, co-sponsored legislation in the past. You know about reducing uh, bump stocks and all the other stuff. And I just did this um, this session again too. Gun control legislation. Yeah, I had also promised to do this before this whole incident happened on January 3rd. But we cannot keep going the way we are. It, it, it's it's like an epidemic in this country. We have to come to some point where we can't use and should not be using guns as the end all, as a response. Like even for me, there was a question asked this that happened. Somebody came up to me and said, well, how, why don't you go get some guns now? That way you can protect yourself. And, and that's kind of the mantra. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that. No, there are other ways, I believe, that we can have a discourse. But just because there's more shootings now, you have to arm yourself to protect yourself and your family and your property. There's there's that whole what I call radicalization, right, of guns. Yes, the Constitution guarantees it to us, but how far do we go? And I am going to learn a lot more as time progresses because it's it's something that's hit close to home, very close to home.
1: Yeah. Given all this, I just wonder if you're approaching your job any differently
2: right now, especially since what happened is so tied to your work. It causes one, right, to be much more uh, keeping your eyes open, kind of watching your back, making sure that uh, I know where the kids are. They know where I'm at. So we're we're even more so now in constant communication. You know, my neighbors also, I've just noticed that change that we're all checking in. Um, And I think that's the most important thing that we can do because that what I also believe part of this tactic was to bring fear into, into the mix and uh, fear doesn't, doesn't have a place in my home. Fear doesn't have a place in our community. They're not going to win on that. And if that was part of the intent of what Mr. Pena and his associates or whoever else is associated with this this action that was taking place in our community, fear doesn't fear's is not going to win. Are you sleeping in your house again? Oh yes, I try and keep it as normal as possible for the family, because I don't want for the fear to take over. We have conversations. I think you know, asking you know for the three of us to be aware, uh, but I don't want that control to be held over my family and my life, our lives. What was the hardest question your daughter asked you? Well, two of them, I should say. She did ask, why us, mom? And the second that she has stated repeatedly is she says, I'm very lucky. Hmm. And when a 10-year-old is able to do that, because 10-year-olds in my world, you're supposed to be a little more happy, more you know, thinking about many other things. But for this to be on her mind and to ask me those questions, Uh, You know, it gives me as a mom uh, trying to find how we work through this. And we're working on it. It's just one day at a time. Uh, We're still processing. And it's going to take a while. It's not going to be over tomorrow. It's not going to be over next week. It's going to take time. But we'll get there. We will get there. Senator Lopez, I'm really grateful
1: for your time. Thanks for making it. I appreciate, thank you for this opportunity. Senator Linda Lopez represents New Mexico's District 11 in Albuquerque. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Elena Schwartz, Carmel Dalshad, and Madeline Ducharme. We are getting a ton of support right now from Anna Phillips, Jared Downing, and Laura Spencer. We are led by Alicia Montgomery with an assist from Susan Matthews. Ben Richmond leads our podcast operations here at Slate. And I'm Mary Harris. Go track me down on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. Thanks for listening. Catch you tomorrow.